Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Hopke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, uh, we were doing our history of episodes, so history of the Duramax, the Power Stroke, the Cummins. And then just recently, we had started a new series on history of turbochargers for Duramaxes, history of turbochargers for Power Strokes. The history of Cummins turbos turns out to be an enormous topic. There's a lot of different you know, and, and granted to the listeners that are clicking on this episode, that isn't this week. But what Paul and I have realized is, is this is going to take us a little bit more uh, time <laughs> and a little bit more legwork than we were initially anticipating. Because even though certain RPOs, so certain engines, had um, a similar turbocharger, the different power output had a different style of the given turbocharger on the application is probably the best way to put it so uh i guess maybe next week we'll we'll, we'll be doing that (laughs) yeah i literally got lost right at the beginning how many variations of just an hx35 there are Uh, it was insane there is there's a lot of there's a lot of different you know they did different turbochargers you know not to get into it too much but there were different turbos if you had a manual or an automatic or based off of if you had a standard output or a high output in in the 24 valve world and then in the 12 valve world oh man i mean there were multiple different injection pumps and power outputs from 94 to 98 um and even the first gen trucks so really looking forward to that episode you know cummins is in my blood so you know what it's like second second nature to me so i'll i'll, I'll be i'm most excited you know we definitely saved the best for last so looking forward to that episode yeah i think it'll be a lot of fun hey a lot of fun you're going to have too is with the new exergy fuel additive uh improving the reliability of your emissions equipment giving you higher cetane which is going to get us more horsepower a lot of good stuff coming out of that fuel additive we hope to have one of the guys from exergy on the show here in the very near future certainly before black friday so we can just really dive deep into that product line and learn more about it and really kind of get ask them some tough questions you know is this snake oil or is this science and, and that's always my question when it comes down to fuel and then one of the other big things over at Duramax Tuner, I, I think it's safe that we can uh, bring this up for today, being that it's the 30th of October. Um, but, you know, the month of November, you know, November is always a big purchasing month for guys looking to upgrade their trucks because they take advantage of a lot of the Cyber Monday and uh, Black Friday uh, sale type uh, scenarios that take place. In the industry, it's usually like a week long, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, we decided over at Duramax Tuner Calibrated Power to offer a couple of month-long doorbuster sales. Um, so if any of our listeners are interested, uh, we're going to be doing a DT550 for the 01 to 05 Duramax. So that's your five-speed Allison. When combined with a six-speed conversion, we're going to have a sale for it, right? That's right. Yeah, $1,000 off. So you're going to be able to grab your DT550 with a six-speed conversion kit already built into it. Save yourself a Gino. Um, $1,000. And that's going to be for the month of November, correct? It's the whole month. Yep. It runs the whole month. Uh, I think that's going to be a big one. I think a lot of the guys who are interested in that setup and have been thinking about that setup, uh, guys, now's the time to buy. Uh, We definitely can help you out with that. A couple of the other really interesting sales we have running all month long is our Stealth 67 G2 line, uh, specifically for your 04 and a half to 10 year model Duramax. We at the at Calibrated Power uh, refer to those as the 67 G2 VVT, um, the LB7 Stealth 67 G2, and last but not least, our six liter Power Stroke 67 G2, 250 bucks off retail. That's huge. 
that's a big savings. And those turbochargers pack a really aggressive punch. I mean, you know, working for the company or not, thinking about this, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, it would have never been reality to take a stock appearing turbocharger to accumulate 800 wheel horsepower potentially. Now, granted, there's other supporting mods that need to come into play for that to be possible, but a drop-in turbocharger, it's a very small package. It's a very clean package, all said and done, to support upwards of 800 wheel horsepower. I mean, that's in that's an S400 territory. Absolutely. Um, keep the drivability, you know, maintain a lot of that low end spool up and that, and that nice drivable characteristic and manner that the factory turbo offered, but the ability to more than double, almost triple what these trucks power outputs were from the factory. Absolutely correct. And you know, Hey, the vein technology, which I think we've talked a lot about in our variable vein 67 turbos uh, with the VVT and the six liter, those are proprietary veins, proprietary vein packs, um, unison rings, all of that yeah, has to be yep. custom built in-house. They have to re-bowel them and all, all this work. But what I think a lot of guys miss is we see more and more kind of local startups doing turbo modifications. Um, is all of the engineering that goes into this, right? So it's not just a new wheel slapped on to an old turbo. That doesn't work, right? There, I know that there's guys out there trying that. Um, it'll make a little bit of power for a little while, but matching the turbine to the compressor wheel, the custom profiles working together. So that's how the blades are bent and what directions they're in and just how many there are. Uh, all these things factor in and then down to your, your actual machining. So when we're modifying the housing, we're modifying the up pipe inlets and, and all of that work, it all adds up into a turbo that's going to be able to go on your truck, drive it every day and pull like a freight train when you want it to. And I think that's why a lot of guys got into diesel in the first place. Um, speaking of guys getting into diesel, Chris, I find one of the places people get involved is, is with this podcast. We have a lot of guys who are very new to diesel who are listening to the show. It's, uh, it, it's overwhelming. And, and part of it is it's ironic in a, in a sense, because for myself being an enthusiast for years and then having the opportunity to be, where I am now, where I work, being on the show, I'll get a lot of guys that come in for inquiries through the company. And then I send them out emails or follow-ups and they're like, oh my God, you know, thanks for, you know, replying back to me. Always starts with saying, love the podcast. We appreciate the content. And a lot of things like you just mentioned, Paul, these are guys that they're two years, three years into diesel, or they're fresh, okay? Or some guys have been in the industry a long time, but this is an avenue for guys to learn about how diesel engines more or less work, how they operate, what to do, what not to do, what type of upkeep, what kind of maintenance, what kind of upgrades to make in the proper steps. This has always been a knowledge channel, and that's how we've always wanted to focus the podcast. That's right, that's right. And so one of the places we wanna bring people together to be more immersed in that same mindset of learning about diesel and talking about diesel. That's why we rolled out our fans of diesel performance podcast, Facebook group. You guys have probably heard us talk about it. If you've listened to more than one show, I'm sure you have. Um, the group is ex expanding rapidly. There's well over 1800 members. Now um, guys are signing up every day. We approve new guys. We really don't, yep. we don't scan anybody. The only thing we do is if we get spammers in there, we just delete them and ban them. Um, but if you're listening to the show, please come and jump on the page. We want you to be a part of this community. We want you to be able to meet other diesel nerds who also listen to podcasts and, and talk about that. Um, we, we also, for everybody who messages myself or Chris, 
there's a link right in the group to sign up and be a guest on the show. So you can actually jump on, look at our schedule opening and be a part of it. Um, with this, we, we get all sorts of stuff. So we get technical questions, we get buying opinions, we get, you know, people just, just posting cool pictures of their trucks. We also get some feedback from time and, to time. And that feedback is some good and uh, some, some not so good, I guess sure. you could say, Paul. Sure. Uh, so it yeah. recently came up, right, Chris? I think we can hit this on the head. I think a lot of our listeners are on the group. If you're not on the group, go check it out. We recently got a post with somebody expressing their feelings or their opinions about emissions equipment. Um, Chris, I thought we would start off just in very general talking about where we stand on emissions equipment. I don't want to speak for you, so I guess I'll just kind of let everybody know what my thoughts are. Yeah. Uh, if you have working emissions equipment, I would not jump the gun and delete it. Uh, we all know that the early versions of any new technology generally has some flaws on it. Emissions equipment is not separate of that, that truth, okay? So when the first generation of a DPF came out, it failed. Uh, when the first generation of an EGR came out, it failed. If I was in a situation where I didn't have to have emissions equipment for whatever reason, uh, and those parts failed, I would have to very strongly consider what my motivation would be to repair or delete. It's not a moral question for me. It, it's a, a logical financial decision. Uh, if I live in an area like I do in Northern Illinois, where I do have the potential of getting stopped uh, and getting fined for having deleted my emissions equipment, that would strongly weigh into my decision. That's just me, that's how I look at it. Um, as we get into the newer generations, and I think, I think you'll echo this, uh, there's less and less of a reason to preemptively delete your emissions equipment. That's just a fact, that's not an opinion, that's not a political stance, that's not a belief, that, that's a measured result of testing. Um, and I think that's what I look for as, as I look at emissions equipment. Do you wanna kinda let everyone know where you stand on this topic? Yeah, I mean, Paul, uh, to kind of, you know, uh, echo, <laughs> I guess you could say, I'm, I'm on the same page with everything that you're saying. Um, to go more in depth <clears throat> to, to the gentleman that made a comment on our podcast uh, Facebook group, um, our avenue, right, our channel is providing quality content in regards to current standards, current emission, current trucks, right? There's other podcasts that are on the market um, that you can listen to that's going to be your diehard race guys, okay, or they're going to have their own opinions on the diesel industry and really focus on their core competencies and what they support. For us, <clears throat> I think it's safe to say that we aren't them. Okay, I don't want to provide misleading information or misleading content in the market. And I think that that's where a lot of the value of listeners or where they value our information, right? I guess it's probably one of the better ways to put that ball. Sure. Um, but as far as emissions as a whole goes, you know, there are guys within the, within the country, right, that don't need to have emissions on because their state doesn't necessarily enforce it as of right now. Well, that's great. I'm not knocking that. Is that going to change next year? Could that change in three, four years? Potentially. Um, you know, we've focused as a brand over at Calibrated Duramax Tuner years ago to understand how the emissions work. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we're a true contender now in being able to say, hey, we can make the same type of power and drivability out of an emissions on truck as we can in an emissions off. 
Now, at the same time, we have a lot of tests and studies. We've, Paul, we've had a couple trucks at uh, SEMA Garage in California doing our uh, car BO certifications and things like that to back up that our thesis and what we have done years of R&D on works. It's proven. It's reliable. And I always reflect back into the gas engine uh, world and in the gas industry back in the 70s. Um, I believe it was 1976 and 72, something like that, where uh, catalytic converters were introduced. Sure. Um, later in the, in the 1970s uh, was the first uh, electronic fuel injection engine to, to come into a gasoline platform. Back then, you cut the catalytic converters off. And a lot of guys were ripping the EFI systems off and going back carbureted because from years prior, that's what people understood. That's what people knew. That's what people had experience with. Well, look at it to today's standards. You could go off the showroom floor and buy a 707 crank horsepower Dodge Hellcat. That's about a 625, 650 rear wheel horsepower application with all the emissions on it that 30, 40 years ago, guys were cutting and, and tearing off of their vehicles. And in the diesel world, I think we're definitely, we're, we're in that mist right now, okay? We're, we're in the bulk of that. And we've forced, we've been forced to change and adopt new um, philosophies. Um, and it's been companies like Calibrated Power, Duramax, Tuner, Banks, there's a few others out there that have really pushed that emissions on envelope to understand how everything physically works. Um, so for myself, it's just, it's the new wave, if you will. It's, it's a technology that we are now tapping into to help improve on the overall reliability and dependability and the whole school mentality of, oh, you make more power, it blows more smoke, it's going to get into my engine, it's going to gunk the EGR up, it's going to fail the DPF. If the truck's mechanically sound, that, that's really not a, a realistic thought process these days. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff there. Um, guys, I, I think what our general point here is that there's industry regulations. Uh, there's been EPA activity throughout 2020, even amidst COVID. Uh, guys have been getting the initial paperwork to start the process, working towards their fines uh, and inevitable fines, they're being told. Uh, we've seen other companies try to fight the EPA. Uh, and I mean, outside of diesel, we've seen like the coal industry, the mining industry, the oil industry, car manufacturer industries. Nobody's ever won. Uh, it's not a fight we're going to have. It's not a fight we need to have. I, I think it's the general reality that we're learning. Again, we are big proponents of data-driven results. And that's what we're going to continue to focus on. Uh, I hope you guys like that. I hope you guys enjoy that. Like I said, if you're LeVon Miller chasing the fours in the, the ODSS series, we're not having a conversation about emissions equipment. Right. But if you want a 600 horsepower daily driver in a newer model truck, that's something Chris and I could probably coach you through. That, that, like we know that really, really well. Uh, so that we're going to try to play to our strengths. We're going to try to talk to the stuff that we know the most about. Uh, when you guys are giving content feedback, man, we love it. Um, Chris, I, I was listening to an old interview. This is going to come up in today's interview. Um, but there, I caught a, a line there where I said, hey, Chris and I make the show because it's fun for us. Like we we enjoy doing this. We enjoy being a part of the community. Uh, and we don't have the time. And, and in 2020, it's not even an option to go out and go to truck meets and truck shows all over the country, right? right. It's just not an option for us. So this gives us a platform where we can reach out to you and, and we can talk with you guys and we can, we can kind of joke and laugh and be a part of the community with you guys. Um, and it also gets us out of work for about a half hour a week. So that's a really <laughs> nice break just to be Absolutely. real. Um, 
Chris, do you want to talk a little bit about our planning and picking content? How do we come up with shows? I mean, Paul, what, what's, what's really ironic here, and this is another kind of uh, the, a couple comments were on the, on the, pod, on the podcast Facebook group, um, but that's we've done some rehashing of episodes over, you know, probably the, not the better half of COVID, but it's been more prevalent throughout COVID. Um, and a lot of that has to do with Paul and I don't really work at the office. We haven't been at the office really this year. Paul goes a couple days a week. I might go once every couple weeks. So we look at where some of the more popular podcasts, uh, episodes took place and then rehashing those, or we have guys on our podcast channel, uh, simply ask, Hey, has this, has this episode ever been done? Or, Hey, you should do this episode. Well, that's a good Avenue for us to go and rehash that episode because we've already, we've already covered that content. Sure. Um, when we talk about new content, it's again, understanding where those questions are asked. We just did a, uh, a podcast interview or you did Paul, where we were talking to, uh, you know, the gentleman over at, uh, peak fluids and talking about, DEF fluid. Well, this is something for myself. I use this on my truck, but I don't know the ins and outs of that or what type of science or what kind of R&D goes into developing that. Um, so a lot of what we do is going to be knowledge based. Um, at the same time, when there's a cool new product on the horizon, or we have someone who has done something in the diesel industry that is just, you know, breaking records and, and just like, oh my God, we need to get them on the show because listeners want to hear about what's going on and how they were able to accomplish what they recently accomplished. So, uh, you know, it's, I put myself in the listener's shoes, you know, years ago when I would flip the magazines, what did I want to read about? What did I want to know about? What did I want to hear about? And kind of, you know, we, we kind of shape off of that. That's right. So it's your fault, listener. Uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, we, we do. We, especially after five years of doing this and whatever hundreds of episodes we've published, um, Guys, we really do lean on the community. So if you guys have ideas for episodes, it honestly helps us. A lot of the ideas that we have sent in, we turn into an episode. Now, it may not be word for word. Like if you send me a message saying, hey, Paul, I'd really love to know specifically about the steering column on, on an IDI Ford, I'm probably not going to put my effort into building a whole episode around that specific topic. But what I may do is say, Hey, we need to go find an IDI expert, which we've done in the past. I know you guys love it. Um, so, so, so a lot of times, even if we don't hit the exact idea you send us, we're going to use your feedback. We're going to use your idea in any way that we possibly can. And a lot of it honestly comes down to time restraints. Like I talked about at the top of the show, uh, putting the Ford Cummins, or sorry, putting the Cummins turbo history together compared to putting the Ford turbo history together two different worlds. One was an hour, maybe two hours of prep. The other one's going to be four to six hours. We're going to have to spend researching, learning, notating, and then putting it all together in an organized manner so Chris and I can actually talk about it and sound like we have some sort of intelligence. Um, So a lot of times production comes into that. So if you guys uh, like hearing some of the stuff, uh, if you don't like hearing some of the stuff, that's okay to let us know. We're, We're open to hearing your feedback. Uh, but the best thing we can do to make the show better is is take your ideas and try to use them as much as we possibly can. So please get into the fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook group. Uh, leave us a message, post, make a post, uh, get to be a part of the community. I wanted to take some time here, Chris, because 
I think a couple of these, these things that happened in the podcast group spurred us. And initially we, we have this emotional reaction to it. And then after a couple of right. days, we kind of calmed down and we start to look at it in a different light. And one of the lights I really, really enjoyed uh, was seeing all of our fans out there, the guys who, who have been listening for a long time and, and jumped into the group early on, or maybe even just recently. And they're, they're not afraid to be vocal about their opinions. And I really appreciate that. So, so I, I just wanted to give a shout out to Zach Benko, Jacob Bonnell, Kevin Hart, Keith Jesse, Trevor Canal, Zachary Zubak, uh, Scott Cockrell, uh, Mike Hansuk, Aaron Lynch, Mike Agnostu. Um, and th- guys, there's a whole bunch of other people yeah. who, who went on and left really positive comments and made, made some really good points and really showed their support for us uh, publicly. And, and we appreciate that. Uh, so we are going to continue week after week or maybe once a month to comb through the podcast group and try to find guys who are being vocally supportive uh, and try to give you guys a shout out because we really do honestly appreciate it. It means a lot to Chris and I uh, as people, not just as podcast hosts. Absolutely. That's the best way to put it. I like it. <laughs> uh, we, we do the show for free. So to be honest with you, it, it, it has to be fun. There has to be some sort of personal connection for Chris and I to, to do this every week. Um, and and I, yeah, I think those guys make it worth it. Uh, Chris, enough about the podcast group. Guys, please, if, if this hasn't gotten you excited enough to hear about some drama, some conversations, some community, some people coming together, if that's not enough to go get you in on the podcast group, maybe this interview will. Uh, today, I'm pulling up an old interview. I actually did this way back during the first wave of COVID shutdowns, uh, and it's just been kind of sitting on the back burner, but I interviewed this really, really cool guy, Matthew Scarpelli. He's going to talk about emissions equipped performance. He's going to talk about doing a turbo upgrade with emissions equipment. He's going to talk about how to keep the truck healthy, how to keep the DPF from failing, what are some of the maintenance topics he can do. And we even dive in and talk a little bit about fuel additives and snake oil or science. Uh, so I thought that this is like the perfect episode to really combine with that interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, guys, and now it's time for our favorite part of the show. This is where you, the listener, get to come on and be a part of, of the show. You actually get to help us make this. I have a really exciting guest on today, Matthew Scarpelli. Uh, Matthew, how the hell are you? I'm doing really good, Paul. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, Matthew, I think you probably, of all guests, have run into every technical problem we could possibly have while setting up a, a remote interview but i'm glad we finally were able to iron everything out and get us on the phone together so you could tell our listeners a little bit about your truck and kind of where you're at in diesel performance but yeah i was we... i was positive you were gonna just write me off after the first <laughs> so i'm glad we got to do this hey no problem man no problem I'm, uh, I'm glad too i'm glad we were able to get you on the show and kind of put put this together uh, before we get into talking about the truck you have, I want to talk about where you got started. So where did you get introduced to diesel performance? So um, I think like 90% of everyone I've ever heard, my dad had a 2003 and a half six liter. Uh, <laughs> that was the first truck I learned how to drive. And if I'm being totally honest with you, I fell in love with the concept of a truck uh, before I fell in love with the concept of a diesel. Um, sure. So you know, I get my license. I'm thinking about what vehicle I want to buy. I work construction. So not only do I love trucks, but I'm, I'm going to justify a three quarter ton truck personally. And uh, not that the Ford 
hasn't been a great truck for him. He's got about 200,000 miles on it, still on the original head gasket. Hard to believe, I know. Uh, I like to knock him on the truck, but uh, she's run good. Minor problems, nothing big. But um, no, I didn't want a Ford. I got to be honest, because I knew from driving the Ford, I liked diesels, but I wanted a real diesel. And for those of you that know, you know, that means it had to be a Cummins. (laughs) This guy. I love it. I love it. Okay, tell us more about it, man. What was your first Cummins? Uh, So my first Cummins at uh, a nice, ripe, young age was a 2018 Ram 2500. It had the 6.7 with the 6.8 RFE. It was a Laramie, so it's done up really nice. You know, it has four-wheel drive. It's a crew cab short bed. Um, It is everything I think a truck should be, and it is everything I think a diesel should be, if that answers your, your question. That is a, a bold statement, sir. That is taking a big swing for the Cummins. Um, you know, like people love their Duramax. <laughs> I know that. I know people love their power strokes. They're respectable trucks. Uh, they run on diesel fuel, but a Cummins is a diesel engine. I'll just go ahead and say that. Oh, bold. St- I'm so glad Chris Emke isn't on the show today. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, he he might have been the only one to agree with me on that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think the, the old antage always comes to mind, and I know this isn't true on the, the fourth gen and fifth gen Cummins, but it always, the, the old antage used to be you buy a Cummins, it's wrapped in a Dodge, and you just have to oh, deal yeah. with that. But they're getting yeah, but better. Kind of We've talked about that. It, it is, yeah. right? Yeah, it is a little. It's a nice truck, but uh, I didn't buy it because I wanted a Ram. I, I bought it because I wanted the Cummins. Like if I could have got a Ford body with the Cummins engine, I, I probably would have done that with an Allison transmission. <laughs> like, let's just be real here. That's Nothing the dream. That Ram, setup is what everyone wants, right? I that know. setup is it. I know. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get started at the beginning then. What do you use your truck for? So, um, like I briefly mentioned, it is a, it is a construction vehicle for me. So, you know, um, hauling tools to and from the site occasionally hauling a trailer, uh, loads of stuff in the back. But I guess majority, it's also a commuter vehicle for me. I only have one vehicle. Uh, I have no reason to buy a car. So my truck is also my weekend hot rod. It's my grocery getter. It's my, you know, road trip vehicle. And it's my work truck. So it's, it's everything for me. I love that. Okay. So you've got to have some versatility out of it. Now I know you've got a few mods done. Um, yep. and I, I think you're at a really fun power level and kind of you, you've built your truck in a way that we talk about building a truck a lot of times on the show. So it's great to have somebody on who's, who's really done it. Uh, why don't you walk our listeners through everything you've done up until today to the truck? Um, are we just talking performance wise? No, man, hit me with everything. What have you changed? So, uh, you know, first I wanted an Edge CTS2 just to watch the regens and whatnot, see what the truck was doing behind the scenes. Uh, that got me started into, okay, man, diesels are really cool. Like there's a lot of stuff that I'm seeing here. And I learned where my parameters should be and should not be. So I'm watching that. And then I'm saying, hey, while I'm watching this, it'd be nice if um, things sounded good. So I did uh, a full speaker overhaul. I put in a sub amp. Even though the truck had a sub, changed out all the speakers, love how it sounds. Now I said, okay, let me see if I can get it to look a little nicer. Put a set of uh, Method wheels on it, Cooper ST Max tires. And the truck was great at that point. Uh, I loved it. But I started to not love driving it as much. The 68 RFP transmission, 
now that I had the CTS in front of me, I could see it didn't know what it was doing at times. <laughs> it was, no, honestly, I could see if it was locked up and it shouldn't have been locked up, if it uh, was in the wrong gear, if like I'm getting ready to slow down and it's trying to get into who knows what type of gear, if it's jumping two gears, three gears. So that was a little discouraging. And just, I knew the Cummins made power, but I couldn't feel it. Yeah. If that made sense. Like when I had a trailer behind, yeah, you're taking off like nothing, but just driving around, it left a lot to be desired for responsiveness and how you put the power to the floor. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we talk about that a lot, that, that kind of disconnection of, of what that pedal feel should be compared to what it is, is, is usually what lets a lot of guys down. That's why when we were just recently in our um, 2019 episode where we we're talking about all of the big three trucks and kind of the comparison between them. It, it really came down to this reality that like, Hey man, a 2019 Cummins, I think everybody on the show that day all said that they would prefer to go out and buy a 2019 Cummins. Um, mm. But they all also said that's only because of tuning. Cause if you were to actually go to the dealership and drive all three and you cared about how the truck drove Cummins leaves a lot to be desired from the factory. So it does. So I love to hear this. So, so you start doing all the things that, that normal guys and especially younger truck owners do, right? You go out and yeah, you do and something to, with the sound and then, and then some of your speakers are good or head unit change, whatever everybody's doing these days. Yeah. And, and then you're like, okay, well, I need some wheels. It's got to look good, right? The ladies love a truck yeah. that looks good. Okay. So you throw it's some true. wheels on it. Um, I, I'm, I'm surprised. I know a lot of guys are big into like go out and get some sort of super bright headlights, but I think that 2018 has some really bright headlights in it. I don't know how many aftermarket options are really out there for them. Yeah. I'm the type of guy I bought the Laramie package because I liked the look of things. Gotcha. So if I didn't like the look of things, why did I buy that package? I could have just <laughs> bought a tradesman and put leather in it. Right. That's, for that's sure. how I look at it. That's how I look at it. I love that. I love that. That's so, a good um, way of phrasing it. Now, if I can continue my story, if you're cool. Please. So uh, a little bit's left to be desired. I thought about buying a throttle sensitivity booster, but I didn't like the concept. I don't know if this is how they work, but no one's ever going to convince me otherwise of it just pushing the pedal further down. Um, if I wanted to do that, I'll just do that on my own. So I scrapped that idea. <laughs> I thought about deleting the truck. Sure. And, you know, my dad's six liter, you started three quarters of the neighborhood will wake up. <laughs> and you know it's loud and it's nice and it drones and all that fun stuff and i kind of wanted the cummins to sound that way but um if i'm being honest with you guys i was afraid that if i get pulled over uh minister of transportation or whoever looks at that and they see it's a deleted truck now i could be fined now i have to return the truck to stock now i'm going to go back to hating my truck i spent all this money i have to pay this fine so to me that's not really an answer long term sure so yeah deleting was out of the question um so that left me to look at emissions intact tuning i'm not going to uh, mention the name out of respect for the company but i looked at one and they were basically saying yeah as long as your truck has less than fifty thousand miles on it uh your truck should run fine after that get ready to uh, delete it and i'm thinking <laughs> so i'm gonna spend all this money on a truck then i'm gonna spend all this money on tuning a truck just to have to replace the emissions parts, because I'm not deleting. I have to replace emissions parts. I'm going to do that to my truck. Mm, <laughs> no, thanks, bud. You can keep it. <laughs> then I heard, honestly, I'm, I'm being honest. Then I heard about calibrated power. And 
I thought that they were pretty cool. I, I saw Nick Pregnant on his YouTube videos, and he did a nice job explaining things uh, the way that I could understand them about how the truck is making more power. But like I said, this truck is everything to me. It's my lifeline. So I don't have to worry about me putting extra strain on it unnecessarily. Uh, whoever calibrated it used their brain. It was calibrated around longevity and I could say responsibility. Uh, I thought, okay, I understand how he says he's going to keep the DPF uh, from setting up, why the EGR isn't running who knows how much more through the engine. I'm not just basically pressing self-destruct on my truck. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I rode into a shop that I knew tuned. The owner got back to me. We had many one hour long conversations and I decided if I'm going to tune, tune. So I went with uh, calibrated powers King tune and I did a BD. I forget what the kit's name is, but it's a BD protect. It's basically like a, a valve body mod just yeah. to increase the line pressure. And, um, I would, it cost me roughly 3,500 bucks Canadian labor and install for the kit and for the tune. And I would happily pay that amount just for the stock tune is how much better that truck drove. <laughs> like, uh, you guys, you're not paying me to say this, but it is a remarkable difference. I, I love hearing it. No, it, and, and Matthew, that was one of the things is, is guys, anybody who comes on and, and signs up to be on the show, we're going to try to get you on to be a guest, uh, whether you're running our tunes or our competitors tunes, we don't really care to be honest with you. The podcast is just kind of for fun for, for Chris yeah. and I and for all of our fans. Uh, but Matthew, I did catch in there that, that you're running the calibrated tunes. I, I, the, the BD valve body upgrade. I'm also, I'm not yep. familiar with the term. Uh, I know that's real popular in Canada just because we know that the, the import to get some of the hard parts over the border, there's some expense with that. So I know BD you're is a little kidding. bit better with Canadian distribution for you guys. Um, yep. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Now that brings the truck up to high 400s, low 500 horsepower range off the top of my head. Um, just doing the valve body and the tune alone. Uh, and like you said, the stock tune in there, you're, it's an optimized stock tune. So yeah, so it does feel like a totally fresh truck. It feels like a night and day difference. Where did you go from there with it? What, what, how did, how did you use it differently once you had a tune on it? Um, I just want to clarify and add that I did also get the transmission tuning if I can, uh, oh, good. be so bold to say that. Please. And I, um, I credit most of what I noticed even partially to that. But uh, so your question is, how did I use the truck differently after that? Yeah. Yeah. So did you notice like when you were driving that you were able to change your driving habits once you had a tune on there? Um, yeah, for the worse. Um, <laughs> I got into the habit of, yeah, you bought an 8,000 pound pickup truck with an inline six engine. Uh, this is not your car to pass. Uh, this is not your light to take. And I'm not saying at all that now I race my truck because that's not my thing. But um, I can pull out in traffic. I don't even worry if I'm going to pass the guy. He, he doesn't know what's going to come to him. <laughs> that, that is a great feeling. Also, um, I noticed I was going to the diesel station less because even though I'm driving my truck harder, I found myself getting a two mile per gallon increase, like hand calculated. So that was, yeah, that was spectacular. Now, mind you, I don't usually, I don't drive that, that fast. I'm the type of guy, if the speed limit is 60, I might go 65. 
I'm not really trying to push 75 plus, but uh, loved the fuel economy I got out of it. Loved the drivability, the responsiveness of it. Um, does that, does that answer your question? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I know when we first rolled out 68 RFE tuning, I thought it was was just gold. Um, I had driven all of the shop trucks and the Cummins trucks around here, and I always said the same thing. It feels like a slush box. doesn't yeah. matter how great that Cummins is. It make mad power on the dyno for cheap. They make mad power at the racetrack. They make mad power. Like, if you're going to get into competition or having fun, like, I understand the benefit of a Cummins. I really do. Mm. Uh, but what I've always said is that for the daily driving, it just – who cares? If, if, if it feels like a slush box underneath you and, and you can't put that power to the ground the right way, um, it doesn't matter what power you have, right? So, so being able 100%. to get those firm shifts, that crisp shifting feeling, uh, torque converter lockup in some sort of intelligent manner, uh, yep. which sounds basic, but like really it does feel that way of like, why on earth is it not, is it not like this from the factory, right? Like why can't we yeah. – why can't we jump off from here and improve it? Uh, but it is. Once you have that added line pressure, which is going to increase your clutch holding capacity so, so the clutches won't slip inside of the transmission, so we'll hold the gear better. Um, so we have that, that added line pressure that we get from that valve body mod, and then you put the right tuning on it, and man, it just it feels like an all-new truck. And that's what well, I always find myself saying, right? You're, you're really right about that. Like it, it was like I went to a dealership, and bought a truck that didn't exist. It was amazing <laughs> to drive after that. Like like a brand new truck. Yeah. I like that. So I also like to hear you you took a lot of time doing your research from what it sounds like. So I caught yeah. that that you watch some of the YouTube channels. I love to hear that. I know before the show we were talking, you listen to the podcast, of course. That that makes us feel great. We really do appreciate that, guys. Um, but where else do you go to learn about diesel? Um, so I'm like every uh, Cummins guy with that 12-inch sticker at the back of his window. Um, <laughs> Cummins Forum. Cummins Forum was awesome. But uh, majority of what I've learned, I've uh, just done by trusting a shop that I've gone to. Uh, there's an owner there. The guy knows diesels inside out. Uh, he's done an immaculate job helping me to get what I want to get out of my truck. He's answered all my questions. So for me, really, I didn't do it in the dark. I did it with knowledgeable people guiding me the whole way, if that makes sense. You know, I think that's such a good point to make. Uh, so often, I find myself digging around and reading these days because we're, we're stuck at home here, and, and that's yeah. pretty much one of my only options. Um, but but I do remember when I first started in diesel, there's so much I just didn't know. And, and I had the luxury of, of working by somebody like Nick or, or Bob back in the day where I could just go and literally tap them on the shoulder at their desk and say, hey, here's my question and answer. And, and I never, at the time, I never realized how valuable that was. I always felt grateful that, the, you know, my coworker was willing to help me, but I never realized sometimes how hard it is to find the right answer about diesel. And a lot of times you do have to step back from all of the research and go and ask somebody who has the experience. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and that just seems to make the, the world of the difference when, when you're actually trying to figure out where, where listen, like, two turbos that are built with similar specs, they're going to get similar results. And then figuring out which one is right for you, it's really hard to do if you're just reading spec sheets, right? Like sometimes you need yeah. somebody who's had the experience to say, hey, listen, I've run this, I've run that. This is what I've gotten here. This is what I've gotten there. This is what my experience has taught me. And, and that you just can't pull that out of Google reviews. 
You, you just <laughs> no, can't, you can't. Right? You can't. You, you need somebody who's real that you can trust, that you can see some of their work. And I love that. I love supporting a local shop too, man. It's, it's really important. Doing things like the valve body upgrade. Hey, it's not bad. You could do it at home. You could do it in your driveway. You could do it without a lift. Totally possible. Uh, but it sucks like that. Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> you're not kidding. That's not the fun. That's not how I want to spend my Saturday. I get it. Hey, listen, if you have to do it and, and you're saving money, do it. Great. Love it. Um, but if you don't got access to a lift like that job, is it, again, a totally different job when you just have a lift and you're able to just walk underneath the truck. And right? um, if, I, if I may add to that. Please. Uh, three other things that I've done to the truck is I, um, I put a larger fuel tank on it. S&B came out with a crew cab short bed fuel, bank, uh, fuel tank. Oh, yeah. And I always thought 31 gallons was a little small. And now that I did have a little extra horsepower, uh, it's true I got better mileage, but I also sometimes uh, used more fuel, I guess you could say. You know, right. kept, that, kept that paddle at the floor longer. So <laughs> having the bigger tank was nice. And I opted to put in a fleece in-tank lift pump just because while the tank is down, it takes nothing to install it. Uh, the shop did that for me. And then this way, I don't have to run... Uh, like a fast is nice or an air dog is nice, but it's in tank. You don't see it. You don't notice it. That's what I'm all about for this Cummins. Uh, that I got the shop to do. I opted to put in ARP 625 head studs on my own. And it was fun. I'm glad I did it because I learned a lot doing it. I will never attempt a job like that again. <laughs> yeah, having someone else do it, it is nice because that was the longest 16-hour day of my life. And I'll be honest. <laughs> At 10 p.m. at night, I couldn't have cared less if I started the truck and threw a rod. Like, I was just going to go in anyway. So. <laughs> I, I think that's the perfect story right there, man. That's yeah. it. That's right. Like, I'm, I'm building this truck for a little more power than what uh, the King Tune, I think, will give me. The ultimate goal is to, I don't even know if you're going to touch on this, but the ultimate goal is to put in a BD Screamer VGT Turbo. and then. Um, hopefully get it recustom tuned via you guys and see if I can push out maybe an extra hundred horsepower just to have on hand. So sure. the head studs was like cheap insurance to me. And again, the lift pump, maybe I don't need it, but does it really hurt to put it in there? It has a lifetime warranty. I think warranty. it'd be crazy not to. My, yeah. my factory one doesn't have a lifetime warranty. So just for that alone, <laughs> at least I'm covered, right? Yeah, I've heard those new fleece intake pumps are awesome. And honestly, they I haven't are. got to try one out myself. So, so I'm excited to hear some some real world feedback on that. Um, yeah, I've heard that they're just they're they're phenomenal. They're going to be a, a real competitor, I think, in that market, especially like you said, when you're going to upgrade the tank. I mean, shit, man, you're yeah. just doing long haul. Sometimes it's just nice to not have to stop so often. Not, mm -hmm. There's 100%. no other benefit, you know. To like, you're just going to yep. keep running. Um, so yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a real solid option. I think that that's a really smart move. Um, okay, so, so talking a little bit, going to go a little bit higher in horsepower, but still just same use. You're not going to like get into sled pulling or drag nope. racing next nope. season or anything crazy. No, nope. truck's got to start every morning for me to get to work. So I'm not going to abuse it. I'm just going to run her hard. I love it. I love it. Uh, who do you want to give a shout out to, man? Who's helped you along the way in diesel performance? So... Um, Big time shout out to DG's ProTech and uh, Dustin Golly. He is a master of a mechanic and that shop, uh, I was nervous to drop off my truck there the first time. Now I'd have no problem even if I left it there for a week. I trust all the techs. I trust them very much. And I, I honestly owe the fact that I'm tuned to them because I don't know if he hadn't called me if I would have gone for it or not. I love that. 
That's good stuff, man. Uh, what advice do you want to share with new listeners, somebody who's brand new to diesel performance? What do you think are some of the most important piece of advice that they could hear? Um, if I could say something, I would say, don't believe everything you read on the internet and overbuild your truck. A lot of people think that deleting is the end all be all. Maybe it is. I don't think so. Uh, the beauty of not having to worry about if your truck is going to pass an emissions test or if you're going to get pulled over is worth the while. And honestly, what these emissions and compliant trucks are doing, I don't care what a deleted truck is doing. It's not doing it better than this. <laughs> so I would say that. And I'd say, um, you know, if, if you think you can put it in the budget to just build your truck a little bit more, I wanted to just at first go with the jack tune. But I said, you know what? For the extra valve body, I can upgrade to the King Tune. Jack Tune, probably nothing wrong with it on the transmission. But I said, now I, I can put that BD Protect uh, uh, valve body kit in. I'm not so worried about what my line pressure is. And if I ever decide to go a little bit more horsepower, I'm not as concerned. Then mm, I drove it a lot of miles at 450 horsepower with nothing done to the trans. Should I have? No, I don't have to worry about that now. I love that. I love that. Pay for that peace of mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that's just what you're doing when, when you're building the truck like that. As you're saying like, Hey, I don't need to be on the screaming edge of my, my peak power number at all times. That's not my number one concern. It, it's, it's building it ahead of time and preemptive taking care of things before they go wrong. I love doing the head studs before you have to, uh, yeah. these trucks not notorious for head stud issues. The, 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 well, the later fourth gen or, or, early uh, fifth gen stuff. Uh, but it's still, it's one of those, like you said, it's just like the trans. It's like, well, if you just do it, if you just put in that one time investment and you just take that kick in the ass that one time, you're not going to get stuck in some sort of catastrophic problem down the road where, where you're really regretting something. Um, yeah. So I like that. You can kind of plan your problem instead of get, getting blindsided by it. I think that's a great now, idea. Paul, do you mind if I just ask you one question before we end it off here? Yeah, man. So obviously I care a lot about my truck and the only thing that I don't find a lot on the internet is um, how do I care for this truck now that it's compliant tuned? Do I have to change the oil more frequently? Should no. I change the fuel filters more often? No, no, none of it. You just, you stick exactly on your factory maintenance schedule and don't fall behind, which you don't sound like a guy who's going to have this problem, but for no, our I, other I listeners out there who are half, more like I'll me, be honest with you, yeah. <laughs> course you I do. could care less what it's going to cost me. Do. I want this truck to run long. So. <laughs> Listen, uh, guys who do change their, their oil and their filters early uh, generally have vehicles that run longer. I don't know that that's cause and effect or if that's mm -hmm. just the type of person who changes their oil and filters early is also the type of person who just takes care of their vehicle in every other aspect, right? Yeah. But there, yep. there definitely is a relationship between those two factors. Uh, our recommendation is that we know we tune the truck and dial the truck in to not create any more wear and tear internally than it would stock. Therefore, your maintenance intervals should be the exact same as, as they are stock. I am working feverishly to get the guys from Hotshot Secrets on. Uh, I've been watching their feed. So if anybody's not, I think one of their guys keeps posting some of their live stuff or their live feed that they do weekly uh, in our Facebook group. So if you see it in our Facebook group, great. Uh, but I'm feverishly trying to get those guys on. I have most of my diesel performance history called any chemicals you add to the vehicle besides gas and oil um, or fuel and oil, uh, pretty much snake oil. 
I, I just, I'm, I'm really not a huge fan of additive. I've, I've run house, um, the, the gold bottle, uh, the clear bottle with the gold label, uh, in the winter. Cause I'm in Northern Illinois and way back in the day when I drove a 4,500 flatbed for my daily, the huge tank hung down below the truck, like totally exposed, no <laughs> paneling around it. Like just a big aluminum or whatever crap tank that they had down there. Um, so like that, I had that gel up one time because I also was cheap and broke then. So, you, you know, I only put $8 of diesel in it at a time. Um, so like it made sense. You know what I mean? That uh, like back then, yeah, sure. I'd throw some house in it. But other than that, I've never been a fan of additive. Uh, well, the more I research it and the more I'm trying to learn about it, the more I'm saying, hey, there's, there's something there. I, I don't know what it is and I don't know the value of it because I'm just not that smart of a guy. Uh, but we're hoping to bring on some experts that can talk a little bit more about some of the oil maintenance and some of the science behind that um, yep. on like which oils are better for diesels and for your situation and things of that nature. Personally, um, I'll say like, I, I know Chris Emke's Cummins at the shop, which is the old shop truck. It's got yep. 80,000 miles on it with twin turbos and dyno poles and they let me drive it, which I beat the shit out of his truck for fun. Um, you know, all of that came down to like, he, he just does his regular maintenance. I think he runs synthetic oil. It's the only thing that he does. Yeah, it's nice. like, like there, there's, you know what I mean? He's, he doesn't yeah. cut his, his intervals in half. He doesn't run anything special in it. I know for a fact he doesn't use any additives. Um, and that thing's gotten 80,000 of the hardest miles I've ever seen out of an emissions equipped truck. I uh, and it, it still hasn't missed a beat. I mean, they just, they honestly just pulled the twin kit off and he's running one of our, our new test turbos, one of our new R and D turbos for the fourth gens in it right now. Uh, so we're, we're hoping to see those out in the near future. But yeah, I, I, I think, I think honestly just idle time kills these trucks. Uh, so idle. if you do extended she, idle she time, does an idle more than a minute in the morning. Perfect. I, I just drive it as it needs to be driven when it's cold. I don't idle the truck. That's, that's so well, smart. It's so rare. That's not true to say. I, I do idle it when it's still hot. After okay. I've just driven hard, I will idle it before I shut it down. Other okay. than that, no, it doesn't just sit idling. I, it's, Chris and I have talked about this before. Um, I would never make a payment in a vehicle that wasn't comfortable to drive. Therefore, I would always start the vehicle and let it warm up for 20 minutes. And like 10 yeah, you, to 20 you minutes. You did with your 7.3, didn't you? 100%. Just it for three hours before Just you go to the grocery store. Smoke yeah. out my neighbors. I don't care. I want my vehicle <laughs> to be comfortable. This is, yeah. this is, I paid for it. This is my shit. I, this is how I want to drive it. So I don't 15, 20 minutes. Like you're probably fine. It, long winters. Like, man, when we get buried with snow at, at, at Halloween and it doesn't clear out till Easter, um, <laughs> that's that's pretty abusive on the vehicle like just yeah. just know that going in like if you're that guy like me who's like well i'll only get in it once the leather seats are warm um okay that 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 is a choice you're making but the expense of that choice the cost of that choice isn't the fuel to run the truck for 20 minutes because that doesn't it, it's negligible the yeah. cost of that decision is how long is is the egr and the dpf going to last right? That, that's the cost. Uh, yeah. So you don't see that cost. You're disconnected from that cost. You won't see that cost for, you know, who knows, 50,000, 100,000, 250,000. Nobody knows how many miles it'll come up that all of a sudden that problem will be like, hey, dumbass, yours didn't last as long. You let it idle for 30 minutes a day, you know? Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that the truck, like you've said, 
nothing's going to happen if I go start this key and leave it running for a couple hours the first or second time. No, it's just, yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's not going to self-destruct. The truck regions and handles itself fine. Same it's thing with shutting it off hot. I, I argued with Chris about this one. Chris is like, oh, I always let my truck idle for two or three minutes before I turn it off after I've been running it. I'm like, I've never done that. He's yeah. like, yeah, but you've never bought a vehicle new and owned it for, for 15 years either. And I'm like, well, no, of, co of course not. Um, so like, who's to say which one of those is, is the turbo going to last longer? Who's to say which one is going to have more carbon buildup because you took the truck from hot and then you let it rapidly cool. Uh, yeah. with no boost running through it. So like, yeah, who's to say which, which one of those habits is more detrimental? Uh, well, me, it, it's pretty obvious, yeah. right? I don't, I don't care. The reason that I, I do my oil changes, my filter changes in half, the reason I don't idle, it's just so that if I ever got a large bill for something that had to be done, I'd kick myself more if I didn't do these things than if I do. Right. That's it. Right. So I'm not, I'm not even recommending to someone that they do what I do. It's just for me, I could stomach something happening to the truck better knowing that I did what I could have done. I like that. I think I do really want to go back to just what you said on um, hotshot secrets, please. And without delving needlessly into it, I will say that I run their fuel additive. Uh, despite everyone saying that it is snake oil, it's useless. Don't put them in the new trucks. Um, they're wrong. They just, they're too cheap to buy it. <laughs> it, it is a spectacular spectacular product i have a 52 gallon tank so if i'm empty i have to put in about four ounces of their everyday treatment which okay. works out to me for five bucks uh, <laughs> for five bucks five bucks canadian I, so that's like 30 cents yeah. us right exactly yeah. <laughs> it is not it is not in the least compared to how great the truck runs it idles a little bit quieter. Everything's a little smoother. Um, like I couldn't be happier with their additive. We, we did this. We have this lost episode where we got a hold of these guys called from a company called Amalgamated uh, back when we were real new to podcasting. And it was like one of our first phone interviews. And it turned out that the audio quality was just so bad we couldn't use it for a show. But I remember the conversation with like their, the owner and whatever, some super science guy who's way smarter than I am about all this, some chemist. And, and they were trying to explain to me why they thought most of the name brands you see on the shelf for fuel additives are garbage. And they're like, listen, like most of it is snake oil because the EPA limits how much chemical you can put on the shelf in a bottle at a gas station. So if you yeah. want to go to like direct to consumer public distribution, the EPA literally says you can't have really good stuff. You have to water your stuff down so that if Joe Schmo who buys it and pours it all over the ground at the gas station, it's not going to create, you know, an environmental disaster. Right. So yeah, okay. they're like literally by law, they're like anything you can buy off the shelf is is watered down junk now this is a company that also specializes in selling large distribution mass produced non-consumer direct like they only sell to fleet services in 55 gallon drums so a little bit of a a little bit of b i try to take what they say as a as a grain of salt right like well yeah I'm sure there's some truth in that. I don't know if you could just blanket statement the entire industry is garbage if you don't do it the way we do it. Anytime I hear that, I kind of think red flag. But there is a general concept of, of there are limits on how much chemical you can put into a bottle. So if you have a, 
a 16 ounce bottle on the shelf. There's only so much active ingredients they're allowed to put in. Right. And that's fine. But whatever they're putting in works, I'll tell you that. And there's, there's the thing is, is does it pay for itself? Cause once I start talking about fuel additive or oil additive, I'm, I'm personally, I'm a cheap ass and I'm thinking, is this, am I going to see a return on my investment? Is this going to make sense for me to where it's worth it to keep buying it? And from the research I've done, it indicates that that's really, really possible. From my anecdotal experience, pretty mediocre, not much to talk about. So that, that's why I want to have somebody on who's an expert, who, who can yeah. talk about the science behind it, can talk about the chemistry that goes into it. Um, and, and I think that that will help at least me personally decide, and hey, if the listeners get something out of it, that's cool too. Yeah. Paul, just one more shout out, if you don't mind. Please. I just want to shout out to my buddy who, um, it was like minus six that day when we did the head studs. I want to shout out to my buddy, uh, Josh, when he came and gave me a hand uh, putting them in. That's a good friend. That, that's yeah, a good friend. We were friend. out there till, till the black of night. And uh, <laughs> he was by my side through losing, through losing nuts, uh, losing 10 millimeter sockets, <laughs> the freezing cold, starvation, all of it. <laughs> hey, true story. I love it. I love it. Matthew, this has been so much fun, man. You've really, you've, you've been a blast. You've done great as a guest. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Not a problem. Guys, uh, if you want to get on the show, jump over to Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast. That's the Facebook group we have going. Uh, if you request to join, I'll automatically, I'll, I'll approve you. You'll get in there. I have a link posted right to the top, or there's a, a note posted right to the top of the page there. Uh, you just click on the link and sign up. You can just get onto the show. Make sure you do do me a favor. Go and still post a picture of your truck so we can, we can have that for the future. Uh, for today, this has been Paul Wilson, and thank you so much for listening. D&D &D on the phone. I'm good.